You're listening to The Doctor's Companion, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to a week's worth of The Doctor's Companion. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm Scott Corelli. And, and I'm Matt Smith, but I'm not I'm not that Matt Smith. <laughs> oh. Strap in. Strap in, you guys. Six straight days. Uh, but uh, we're from MindRobber.net, uh, the home site of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all of the things on podcasts. Like this one where we where we talk about Doctor Who. It's called the Doctor's Companion. Uh, the Mind Robbers Versus, where we uh, episodically talk about other shows that aren't Doctor Who. Um, currently alternating between Superman and Batman the Animated Series. Very soon will be Batman Beyond, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, also uh, movie reviews, like in depth, spoiler filled movie reviews. Uh, we also do on that show, and then there's. Our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we basically talk about everything else. If you like our shows, you can review them on iTunes. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or any other sort of cool thing you might feel like sharing, you can email those to us at podcastmindrobber.net. If you want to start a discussion, add it to the comments on the post for this episode so everyone can know what you're thinking. And finally, tell your friends that you listen and that they should be listening too. Matt, how are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, I, we're we're starting the key to time because this is episode 150, and why not? Why not accidentally stumble into something for episode 150? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, why not punish ourselves wh- for getting to 150 episodes? I don't know. I'm going back into this, and I haven't I haven't watched most of these stories since I initially blogged them, and I'm at ag- almost exactly three years when I'm watching these now. So like. I've basically nice. watched all of Doctor Who in the in- interceding time between this and uh, when I originally blogged. Like this is this, these are some of the last holdouts of the shows that I've watched least recently. If that makes sense, um, I think mm. the the one that's winning right now is Five Doctors. I haven't watched that in since I originally blogged it. So that's an, I mean it's nice. an interesting choice. Um, but yeah, yeah, so we're talking and about we're not and we're not watching that until next year on this show or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's a while. But uh, we're talking uh, Key to Time Part One, which is the Rebos operation today. Yes. Um, I'm uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into it. What's uh, I mean, I think I think this is this is probably going to be the largest uh segment of background and significance this week, just because uh, I mean, there's a there's a lot to the beginning of things, right? Um, so what 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 do you got for us? Well, we're setting up um. Yeah, like you said, the thing the thing about it is that we're setting up the um, the whole season as well as a, as well as an episode. Most of the time, we just start talk about a story, but because this actually this whole thing is conceived as a uh, a big overarching story, I think that uh, it's important that we talk about uh, just how it came about. Uh, basically, what happens is after Deadly Assassin. 
Philip Hinchcliffe is asked to step down from as producer of Doctor Who, or the BBC move him off, move him on to a show called Target, and the original producer of a show called of the show Target, Graham Williams, takes over Doctor Who. Um, so why, why was that switch? Why did that switch happen? It there, happened. Do you know the reason? It, I, it happened because they wanted to put Hinchcliffe on something that suited his darker sensibilities. And if I remember right, Target is like a darker spy show or something like that. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Um, but oh, because it was the the the. Uh... The violence and deadly assassin got a lot of heat, right? A lot of heat, yeah. Right, so that's why he was moved off. Okay, yeah. go. Um, so, he, so he got moved off and was replaced by Graham Williams because producers are interchangeable or what have you. Um, and so uh, Graham Williams is asked to take over the program. Graham Williams is, asks Robert Holmes, who's the script editor, for the Hinchcliffe era to stay on just for half a season just to get his feet on the ground because he doesn't want to just jump in with both feet. And he wants to keep a continuity because he knows how successful Doctor Who is. But at the same time, according to uh, like the, the behind the scenes of this, Graham Williams was really interested in uh, coming up with reasons for, doc- for the Doctor to come up on particular adventures. Uh, he was really kind of just tired of the chaotic nature of uh, 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 the, the Doctor's adventures, which is really ironic given how this season ends. Um, and <laughs> so he decides that he wants to do one big season-long Doctor Who story uh, in which the Doctor meets this higher power who sends him out on missions that gives him reasons for the missions to happen. So Graham Williams wanted to do this for season 15, but the reason that he wasn't able to do it for season 15 is, one, because he only had Robert Holmes for half a season, and two, because he just didn't have the lead time to make such a big project work. All of the stories kind of had to link together. Uh, they had to kind of uh, mesh, and they had to be much more serialized than the show had been doing for the last, you know, 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. So he wants to do this, and he waits until uh, season 16, which is his second season, where he brings on his new script editor, whose name is Anthony Reed or Anthony Red. I don't know. It's R-E-A-D, and I never know how to say it right, um, but I'm just going to call him Anthony Reed. Um, I don't know. We'll find out at some point. Someone will correct me. But he brings on this guy and uh, sets about trying to set uh, uh, writers and trying to figure out what this season's going to look like. And because... Uh, Graham Williams really loved Robert Holmes because Robert Holmes is this first guy who is just, you know, the grand patriarch of Doctor Who at this point, basically. He asked Robert Holmes to write the opener, and Robert Holmes had previously turned down the season finale, which Graham Williams had wanted to be this um, this time, time Lord story set on Gallifrey, which eventually became the invasion of time, and Holmes didn't want to do it uh, because he wanted some time off from the show and wanted to step away. So this was really... Interesting, because this is kind of like the last gasp for Robert Holmes. He writes two stories this season, The Rebus Operation and The Power of Crawl, and then he basically just walks away from the show, doesn't really look back until they call him in to write The Five Doctors, um, which he ends up actually not writing. Uh, but then he does mm-hmm. Caves of Androzani. So we're right. kind of in the twilight of Robert Holmes at this point. And, and, uh, for, and, for, uh, and per- for perspective... Um, just for, for listeners who might not watch classic who normally mm-hmm. for perspective of what this is, what this would be akin to. It's sort of like if, uh, next when they announced the next season of new who, if Moffat was like, yeah, uh, the first episode is going to be written by Russell T Davies. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, that's basically what's happening here. It's like Russell D. Davies came back and wrote the opener mm-hmm. um, to someone else's ver- vision of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. It's it's a yeah. weird choice, but what's interesting about mm-hmm. Robert Holmes is because he's so flexible, and this guy actually did create the Williams style. Um, if you look at the first three stories of Graham Williams, they're very much trying to get away from Hin- like they're still in the Hinchcliffe school of Doctor Who's saying. But when you look at the Sunmakers, which Holmes wrote right after Image of the Fendal, which is kind of his like the the story he wrote after he left as the script editor because he kind of wrote the last story himself uh that kind of kicks off the williams era but this is like weird because this is like the first real stamp of the williams era in a lot of ways so it is it is very strange but holmes himself is so malleable that the idea is that he can build off of something like he can do something that's totally different which the Sunmakers kind of is and so is this um so that's kind of where it comes from um and we'll talk about whether or not this season as a whole works later on. The other couple hits I have to mention is that this is the introduction of the new K-9. K-9 at the end of Invasion of Time, the Doctor leaves him to hang out with uh, what's what's her name? Leela on Gallifrey, just to hang out with, uh, with Leela. And so the Doctor at the end of Key to Time gets gets this... um, gets a new version of K-9 called the K-9 Mark II, which was really put around because it was much less noisy than the original K-9. So this is new K-9. But it's also the introduction of uh, Mary Tam as Romana. So this is this is where we get the first Romana. Uh, Romana, of course, would, would uh, regenerate at the end of this season or the beginning of the next season, whichever you like to, whichever you prefer, into Romana II, played by Lala Ward. Um... But this is really the first introduction of Romana. Uh, and then, of course, on top of that, you at the beginning of this have the introduction of the White Guardian, who is this uh, celestial being who sends the Doctor off on his mission to collect the pieces of the key to time. Uh, the one other thing that I want to mention really quick is that it's directed by George Spenton Foster. Uh, and this is the second story that he directed in the last Doctor Who story that he he directed. The first being Image of the Fendal, which I have a very fond place in my heart for. Um, so, I mean, that's about it. There's a lot of like discussion and analysis that I think this gets off. But this is the first of six stories in a season that is designed to basically look like uh more or less what this show does now and when i started watching classic who this was one of the first things that i set my eyes on because that premise sounded so interesting to me it sounded like exactly what i wanted this show to do me too Mm -hmm. uh whoops so (laughs) (laughs) so let's talk about it but first uh yeah so this show's sponsored um it happens to be it happens to be sponsored by instocktrades.com uh, if you want some graphic novels, uh, you know, trade paperbacks, hardcovers, absolute editions, omnibus collections, whatever, go to InStockTrades.com. And remember, uh, it's July now, so uh, go to InStockTrades.com and celebrate the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who by uh, buying all of the Doctor Who comics. Because um, why wouldn't you? Uh, hefty discounts, hefty discounts, my friends, uh, and 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 more than the regular thirty-five to forty-five percent off. Uh, and, and and note that if uh, new stuff comes out, check in every Wednesday. There's there's always new releases, and uh, there's like a handful of them that will be at fifty percent off, fifty uh, percent off for for the week that wow. they first come out. Wow. Yeah, 
Yeah, 50 That's half off. That's more than Amazon. Oh, snap. Uh, yep. And remember, all orders over $50 uh, get free shipping. So uh, buy weekly and buy a lot. <laughs> Thanks to InStockTrades.com for sponsoring the show. Um, okay, so the rebos operation. Um, I was dreading this. Uh, and I was dreading it on purpose because I knew that Robert Holmes wrote this episode. Um, so in the back of my mind, I was like, well, it's not going to start that bad. Uh, but I was still like dreading it just even getting this week started. (laughs) Sure. Um, because I remember this was definitely one of the first stories that I watched because when I first started really getting into classic who again from when I was, you know, after I was a kid, um, I the first thing I did was, you know, troll Netflix Instant and this was one of the things on Netflix Instant and I saw that it was a part of an arc called The Key to Time and I was like, "Oh, oh, I'm watching that." <laughs> um, Cuz let's be honest, like look, The Key to Time. That sounds awesome. It's such Just, a sexy title. Oh, it's such a sexy title. Um so I was I was not looking forward to this because it was a slog getting through it the first time for me, um, and what I what I what I noticed immediately was that this was really funny, mm-hmm. um, really funny, uh, and the other thing that I noticed was that it was um, uh, the White Guardian. Like I you know I, this is not a thing that we've talked about on this show yet. Because uh, we haven't gotten there with the Fifth Doctor, but I I watched the Black Guardian trilogy, so I I wasn't I I had I guess I I I hadn't realized that the White Guardian and the Black Guardian were the thing in the Key to Time. Like I, I it didn't occur to me that these people were the same people that were in the Black Guardian trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of exciting. I was like, oh, neat continuity. Yes. Um, yes. that was kind of cool. Um, so I, I like that. I mean, it was, it's, it's really silly and I, cause he's basically the architect from Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I, I still, it's, it's, it's neat. Um, and I remember I really didn't like, uh, Romana one when I was, uh, watching this the first time, but watching it this time, like I actually like the way her and the fourth doctor play off each other yes. quite a bit. Yes. Um, they're a lot of fun. Uh, I think that she gets, I think that Romana, this version of Romana, at least I haven't watched enough of Romana two to know for sure. But, um, at least with this version of Romana, it seems that she's very dependent on the script. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Tom Baker, uh, and, and really the doctors in general, um, can, make a bad script better through performance a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I mean they can they can always they can only take it so far, but a lot of the time they can they can elevate a bad script um at least a little bit. But it didn't it does if I remember correctly, uh it's a little more difficult for Romana. Um because when she has bad scripts, like she's really boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, it, I, the thing about it is, it's a very hard character to do because she's written as the the anti Leela, where Leela is this hard, very emotional, 
savage, Romana is essentially the height of Time Lord culture, and she comes across mm-hmm. as a very icy and cold character. She's written to be icy and cold. So that – and that's really something that's very difficult to play off to make a character that is believably cold that isn't as off-putting as that will lead him to be. It's a very fine line to walk. Um, yeah. Shockingly more I, ambitious than you'd imagine, I think. I like that quote that comes from Paul Cornell where he's, he says that um, uh, this is a good story, but it's it's as if Romana is uh, – is, <laughs> it's as if Mary Tam is playing, uh, playing this whole story as if Romana uh, smells something horrible all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm like, yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, that's a good quote. Um, that's a good quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, like I, I actually like the way they play off each other quite a bit here. Um, and uh, but her her costume is ridiculous, like the fur. Yeah, like that's it's it's with the really hood and everything. Top. Yeah, she looks like an ice queen. Mm-hmm. Like it's bizarre. Which is the um, design, but that doesn't make it okay. <laughs> like yeah, it yeah, totally. It doesn't it doesn't date well. Um, no, not at all. Yeah. Um. So I I I I think I, I like them quite a bit. Uh. But what I did notice is, um, and in doing the little bit of research I did, uh, I realized why this was. But I noticed, a, a, like, there was a noticeable change in uh, the writing from when the Doctor is talking to the White Guardian and meeting Romana for the first time to the uh, the introduction of of the actual plot of this. Uh, serial with with Rebos and and everything like there's a noticeable change in the writing and then upon researching I realized that that's because Graham Williams wrote the beginning <laughs> yes yes um which I was not aware well, I wasn't aware of until later and I was like oh that explains that okay mm-hmm. well it's the um, same thing like that it's interesting because you just assume because we come from this world of of of, of writer writes everything you just assume that writer writes everything and it's not that's not the case i mean what's interesting about something like the case of Andrzejewski it's like oh it's robert holmes's masterpiece it's amazing and yeah it's amazing but if you watch the scene in the TARDIS at the very end when the Doctors are generating, you're like, this feels a little off. And the reason is because Robert Holmes wrote everything up until the Doctor and Perry get into the TARDIS, and then Eric Sayward wrote the rest. And you're just like, oh, well, that explains the this is death, is this death line. Because yep. that's just a little too on the nose. Um uh, not not even on the nose. It's just a little uh, – it's very over the top. Yeah. 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 Um, but we'll, we're not we're, that. That's our last. We're previewing our final episode yeah, of oh, the Doctor's I, Companion. Oh, spoilers! Sorry, um, <laughs> the Doctor, the, um, the Fifth Doctor regenerates. Guys, sorry to let you down. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, so, so once we get through like the introduction of Romana and 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 the White Guardian and the whole plot of the of the season, which I I think all of that stuff was really interesting, and uh, I, I I it sets it up really well, like. To a point where I, I, it was actually making me excited for this season again, which is not a place I need to be in uh, emotionally. <laughs> lower your expectations. Um, lower your expectations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but once we, uh, once we actually got into the plot on Rebos, and I realized that the Rebos operation is essentially a uh, just like a big like scam. Like it's a big it's, con artist story. Yeah, it's a big con artist story, uh, and and it's 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 kind of like uh, it's <laughs> it's 
It's kind of like um uh uh what's what's the con artist guy's name? Garen? Uh Garen and Unstoff. Okay, is it is Garen the main guy or is Unstoff the main guy? Unstoff's the 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 quiet one and Garen's the big guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, uh it it when I realized that like <laughs> there's a when Garen takes off his his little hat thing, well, a little hat, his big gigantic hat. Um and you realize that he's bald. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> it's a realty scam. <laughs> it's basically like medieval Lex Luthor. <laughs> um, and it made me laugh. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, you know, I texted you while I was watching this and I was like, man, this, this, this gave me a hankering for, for a Robert Holmes written Game of Thrones episode. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's totally what this felt like. It felt like something that could totally fit into to Game of Thrones because there's nothing about this that was like really science fictiony. Yes. Um really at all. Mm-hmm. I mean outside of, you know, I mean once you get into the actual Rebos operation plot, once you get outside of like the the uh, setting up the season and if you ignore the TARDIS and all of that, like everything else is just very like medieval and simple yes. and 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 not science fictiony at all, yes. which is uh, really refreshing and gave this a very distinct feel. And it just sort of made it, you know, a, a con artist comedy, mm-hmm. uh, which I had a lot of fun with. Like this was a, this is a really great episode. It's awesome. Um, and, it's and, and, and awesome. One, yeah. And like, not only is it, not only is it awesome, but it's what, what, it's like, I mean, it's 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 hard to really put my finger on what, but it doesn't even really feel like. It feels like Robert Holmes without feeling like Robert Holmes. Like it's such yes. a weird story. Yes. Um, how's that? Because it's like these characters are quintessentially Robert Holmes. Oh. Like when oh, when yeah. when. Yeah, when when Garen and Unstoff are talking to each other and like bickering amongst each other when we first meet them, I'm like, okay, well, Robert Holmes wrote this. Um, <laughs> like immediately, you know, Robert Holmes wrote this, but it doesn't like the closest the actually like the closest that this feels to any other Robert Holmes story is the the opening arc of uh, of Trial of the Time Lord. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, this that's what this feels like. And I I loved it for that. Like it's just it's just fun. Oh, it's, it's just it's so much fun. It's, oh, it's just fun and breezy and 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 oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, uh, this is gonna surprise I think people just because this you wouldn't expect this to be here. But I would honest to God put Rebo's operation just in terms of the home script in like probably in my top five favorite Robert Holmes stories. Like mm-hmm. more than more than even like. Look, I love Arc of Infinity, and I are not Arc of Infinity because screw that story. Um, <laughs> b- but Arc in Space and Pyramids of Mars. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. honestly, this is amazing. Like this is yeah. legitimately amazing, and I and there's a number of reasons why it is. And I agree with you on everything. Only like not to one up you, but I just think I think this is utterly gobsmackingly brilliant. Um, yeah, this is everything i want from a doctor who story and i too like once you pointed out the the game of thrones thing i was watching i basically watched the first two episodes of this last night and i woke up this morning and i watched the last two but watching the two episodes last night 
I just I I watch this and it just you're right. It feels a hundred percent like Game of Thrones, and that's because of the medieval stuff. Like this is mm-hmm. it. It feels off kilter in the way that um that 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 Game of Thrones does, but you know more jarring way because Holmes's inspiration for Reboss as a location and a planet is not you know George R. R. Martin with Game of Thrones goes for medieval England Robert Holmes for Reboss Operation picks medieval Russia and Russia as a location is very exotic it's a very interesting locale because Russia is technically the east it's not really like western Europe like I mean, it's obviously not Western Europe, but it's not, you know, the typical what you imagine Europe to be. So it's, like, got, like, this weird, like, uh, just this different feel from everything else. Russia has always felt that way um, because it's such an isolated country. And the location feels a lot like Game of Thrones, but also just the machinations of what everything's doing. You have this disgraced leader named the Graf Vindicay. And the Graf Vindicay has his essentially hand of the king and his in the hand of the king and he comes with his army and he's got this big plan. But it's but there's no real violence in the story until the fourth episode. So it's just a lot of political intrigue um, in a lot of interesting ways. And like you said, an, uh, like a big con artist scandal. Um, and mm-hmm. it's amazing uh, because of just the way that Robert Holmes structures it. It's it's just incredibly well put together it's really well directed i love ian cuthberson so much i've loved him since i first saw this he plays garen like he just has this so good he's so like he just gets that robert holmes just says go have fun with this and then he has all of the fun with this just because it's he's so playful and he's got a great voice and he's got a great dialect he just chews the scenery mm-hmm. and i can't he's take... got he's got two distinct dialects yeah which is shocking like it's amazing and totally what robert holmes wants him to do and then like you have unstoff who's this really great character and then i don't know it took me a while to really appreciate this character and, and the thing about rebounds that's really interesting is i said that i haven't rewatched these since um since I initially watched them. That's not quite true. I did watch the Rebos Operation a couple months ago. Um, and I don't know if I if you remember me watching it. But um, I was blown away by this. Having seen all of Doctor Who. Like, this is just gobsmackingly good. And when you're watching... The thing about watching Classic Who for the first time is it becomes really difficult to tell what is good and what is bad. Um, spe- or specifically, how good something is or how bad something is because you're learning an entirely new televisual language. And watching this after watching a bunch of Doctor Who, it's clear that this is just pushing everything to a really amazing place um, in, in just a lot of ways. And Holmes, as a writer, is just so smart. Like, the guy is so smart, and what I love is, uh, amongst other things, what I think is really important, if you like this story, is I really, really, really encourage everyone listening to read Philip Sandifer's review of this story um, over at philipsandifer.com. His discussion of the Rebos operation is mind-blowing because he talks about how you start with the white and black guardian and they are the tent poles of the universe and then you get smaller and smaller and everything is recursive. You have this guy named the Doctor who left his home planet and is exploring the universe and is like a god at this point. And then you have Garen who is a man who left his home planet um, because he wanted to find something bigger and became a con artist. And then you have, to go a little smaller, Binro the heretic who looks at his home planet, sees that it can be more, and never leaves it. Um, And, like, all of those things, like, 
collide with each other in a really interesting way. I think that Binro the Heretic is an amazing character. Um, mm-hmm. his he's beautiful. Um, well, there's that there's that scene with Binro and that uh, that soldier guy. Uh, I think it's in part two. Uh, the um, monologue, where, right? Yeah, the where where yeah where the where the the one where the 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 soldier guy like finds him and he's just like, oh, this place is disgusting. You're disgusting. Look, yeah, that that scene. I was like, you could literally take this scene and give it to two other characters word for almost word for word and put it in game of thrones mm-hmm. and it would totally fit it's yes. that good yeah it's it's incredible it's an incredible just amazing study of a guy who believes something and mm-hmm. how this belief ruined his life the guy is essentially galileo he he like rebus i mean rebus is interesting one because it has this elliptical orbit in which they spent like twenty years in summer and twenty years in winter, which is exactly you mean, like what happens you mean, in you Game mean, of yeah, Thrones. Like Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> like that's exactly what happens in Game of Thrones. So not only did Robert Holmes create like cyberpunk like five years before William Gibson, but he also created Westeros like fifteen years before uh, before George R. R. Martin, which is so brilliant. Um. So this Rebos is this medieval planet. The whole planet is very archaic and there's no technology and there's no science. And it's been, you know, there's this, there's this character named the seeker who has these horns. And like, she's the one thing of the story where you're just like, you're just going for the pure ham with all the shrill. And I don't like it. Um, I like her in theory, but not in execution. She's a little annoying. Um, but looking at it, you have this society that is, purely medieval and you have this guy named Binro the heretic who is essentially Galileo and he did studies and he says um, those things that you, when you look up at the sky and you see the ice crystals that are painted onto the sky I think that all of those ice crystals are suns and I think that the this the, our planet our planet revolves around that sun and that all of those other stars are all suns that have other planets on them and no one believes me and I live in squalor for what I believe and then when Unstoff turns to him and says what you're saying is true it is heartbreaking because he is just so overwhelmed with just knowing that what he said believed was true. It's like watching a convicted felon who didn't do a crime and like ruined his life find out the proof that he's innocent. Like it's that mm-hmm. level of catharsis. And it's amazing that Robert Holmes creates this guy in the span of two, two scenes breaks your heart with him. It's amazing character work. Um, It's awesome. This story is just, it's, it's not only like, it's not only good because of those reasons, but it's also super cool like it's i love stories about con artists i i could go on about Mm -hmm. this for like an hour i probably will but i love stories about con artists and robert holmes clearly does too like garen and unstaff are not so different than glitz and dipper like you said in uh 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 trial of a time lord they're not different they're the same sort of characters um uh, i love stories about that and watching them just try to sell a planet is just the doctor's just like, so why are you trying to sell this mine full of rich material? And he's like, I'm not, I'm not selling the mine. I'm selling this planet. And he doesn't yeah. own the planet. Like, he's just conning this guy. It's so brilliant. It's so brilliant. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. It's just, oh, it's so funny. And it's so clever. And it's so impossibly well put together. I mm-hmm. 
It's remarkably entertaining. Too. Oh, it's so good. Like, it's so good. And, like, this this foul, like, <laughs> like the first time I watched this, I was blogging it. And when I was doing the blog in the old style, I would have to rewatch things constantly because I'd be like, okay, so what happens? Let me reconstruct uh, using my own language what's happening here. And I must have watched, like, part two and three and four, like, a number of times in the way that I watched Genesis of the Daleks, like, six times. I was like, you know, Genesis of the Daleks, it's okay. And I ended up watching it, like, 12 times in the span of a week because I would just start it and I wouldn't want to stop it. Um, this is the same thing. This goes down super duper smooth and is super duper entertaining, like you said. And I just, mm-hmm. I, I could watch this over and over and over again. I really believe that this is one of the five best Robert Holmes stories. Like, I would yeah. put it right there. No, I would. I, 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 I mean, I I can't imagine it not being, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, it's, it's, it's incredibly good. I mean, it's like... Because there's because there's Robert Holmes stories too where um, I I feel like I'm like yeah no this is really good but it doesn't it doesn't even feel as they they don't necessarily feel as fully formed as this one like some of them are just are just really entertaining or just like or just like really um, uh, really smart you know mm-hmm. but this this is just this is all of it. Mm-hmm. This this is this is this is this has everything. Mm-hmm. Um like uh Caves has everything. This has everything. Yes, absolutely. And like the other Robert Holmes stories I would put up there, like just to tell you how good this is or I think this is, this is like like the top five would be this, Caves, um, Talons of Wang Chiang, Brain of Morbius, and Spearhead from Space. Like that's how good this mm-hmm. is. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, I just said that this is better than the Time Warrior, and I believe that. Like as much as I love the Time Warrior, like this just this just works. Like it just yeah. works on every level, and it's also wonderful because, as again, Sandifer points out, it completely subverts the notion that everything in the universe is black and white, which is kind of what Graham Williams is saying with the black and white Guardian, because you have mm-hmm. all of these various characters none of whom are black and white. Like, even the Graf Vindicay, watching him come apart at the seams as the story closes and he descends into madness when he loses um, Chilak, uh, Chilak, or Sholak, yeah. Uh, it's kind of sad. Like, it's kind of sad to see him lose his army and lose his gold and lose his planet and lose his... Like, because this is a guy who's been pretty much disgraced. Like, it's kind of sad to watch him stand in front of the Doctor who is this who's disguised as the centurion and just kind of walk off into ghost town basically <laughs> like mm-hmm. and it's oh it's it's just it's so it's so brilliant like it's such a it's so incredibly well done um and like you said just funny like just yeah so funny oh oh my god oh my god it's- no there there were moments in this where i was i was laughing out loud which is which is something I rarely do, like unless it's ironically sure. in classic Who, you know. Yes, yes. Like, you know, I might, I might smile. Something might make me smile, or just go ha, or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. or or make me laugh ironically. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, like, like the like, the, like the synchronized dancing of the Cybermen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. Oh, but but in this, like, I was genuinely laughing. Like, this was genuinely funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where I watch this and I'm like, oh, Moffat was a big fan of this era. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And so was so was Gareth Roberts. Like, I mean, 
Gareth Roberts, who wrote, like, amongst other things, like, the Shakespeare Code, like, he says that his favorite era, or the era that he would work best in is, um, the Graham Williams era, and, like, I mean, you texted this to me when you were listening to it, but Gareth, Gar- uh, Grant, the, too many, uh, people, um, <laughs> Gareth Roberts also wrote The One Doctor for Big Finish, and The One Doctor is, like, the best Graham Williams story ever. Um, But, like, that's, like, this and The One Doctor are not so different just because they're both intensely silly but also intensely dramatic. And that's the thing about Graham Williams that I always forget until I'm watching it is, like, Graham Williams wasn't setting out to do bad Doctor Who. He was unfortunately handcuffed by a slashed budget and a very weird edict from people from the BBC saying... Uh, make it less violent, I don't know, make it more funny. And then he turns around and does The Invasion of Time, which is a comedy. Like, it's a six-episode comedy and runaround and completely insane. And the BBC just goes, ah, make it less funny! And so, because <laughs> apparently you can't have funny in Doctor Who. And then he turns to Robert Holmes, and the thing about Robert Holmes is that I always forget is, yeah, Robert Holmes is sick, and yes, just about every person dies at the end of this. This is a wholesale slaughter. One of those wholesale slaughter stories. The only people who walk away are Garen Unstoff and uh, the Doctor and Romana. Like, the graph... Just just like a Game of Thrones episode. Just like a Game of Thrones episode. Um, <laughs> people are killed for nothing. Like, Binro is killed without even, like, see- meeting the Doctor, which is the most heartbreaking thing, because the Doctor is proof of just the wonders of the universe. Um, uh-huh. Could you imagine uh, Binro as a companion? Oh, my God. Uh- it would be so amazing. Like, it would be just <laughs> brilliant, and they rip it from us, and it hurts. Um, but, but looking at it, like, you know, the end of the story has, you know, Sholak buried in the buried in the catacombs underneath the city and Binro is is murdered in the in the in the ar- and dies in the arms of Unstoff and the the seeker is brutally murdered cuz she wouldn't shut up and then the graph is actually in a very dark twist murdered by the doctor <laughs> just <laughs> the doctor straps a grenade to him and lets him walk off into his death um ugh which is just so dark. Um, yeah. Like, it does that, which is funny, because, like, you're watching it, and it's so fun. Like, you're having such a fun time in the first three, and just like the Myth Makers, all of a sudden, there's just a slaughter going down, and it's just badass in the way that all of Robert Holmes' stories are. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I oh, I love that. Like, I love that he does that, and he doesn't care, and that he can do, like, I always forget that Robert Holmes is wickedly funny. Like, the guy is just a comedic genius and you know that sometimes gets buried in the darkness or the whatever but his stories are very funny and by this point he understands how to write tom baker and i mean this is the shocking thing i love tom baker in this i i think oh yeah great in this story this is this is him at like the absolute peak of his powers oh yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where he's just like i know this character i'm and he and he's like super confident about it Mm -hmm. you know and he's just like, here's what I'm doing. Here it is. Yeah. Like it or don't. I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, and it's it's a brilliant, like, it's a brilliant use of him. He's so smart and thinking, which I love. I love when the doctor thinks. But, you know, he's, that confidence is, is smart because he's, he's condescending in the way that his doctor always is condescending. But he doesn't do it in a way that is overbearing and, and rude. Yes, he's rude to Romana, but it comes from a place of affection. It comes from a place of him just hating that he's paired with this woman who is, for all intents and purposes, better than he is. Um, and 
it's such a it's such a clever use of him. It's a clever introduction for Romana, and yes, that does mean that Robert Holmes is technically the creator of yet another Doctor Who companion. Um, well, no, not necessarily, because he he didn't he didn't did he write that scene of her introduction? Yes, or had yes. he not come in yet? No, he, okay. he gets he gets the scene of her introduction. What he doesn't get is the White Guardian scene. So, oh, okay. So it's just the White Guardian scene that he didn't write. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, oh, okay. it's the same thing with, like, Sarah Jane. Like, he technically didn't create Sarah Jane, but he's the first person to write her. Um, yeah. So it's like it's like that whole thing. So <laughs> yet another thing that Robert Holmes creates, which in this case is, you know, the White Guardian and uh, Romana One. Like, that's <laughs> an entirely new character. Like, it's just completely insane that this guy oversees so much. And that, mm-hmm. you know, this is a Robert Holmes who is, Tired as we are, as we're gonna see, and you know, uh, I guess if this goes out on Sunday, then we're look, gonna look at uh, Thursday. Um, Power of Kroll is Robert Holmes at his crankiest, so this is a Robert Holmes who wants to leave the show, and it's amazing that he turns out something that is so good. Um, mm-hmm. but it almost seems like it's out of spite because this is like an anti Doctor Who Doctor Who story, yes, yeah, yeah. He's um, just like I want to. I look. I just. I really want to write Game of Thrones. So <laughs> <laughs> he just writes Game of Thrones with the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, remember when I said? Uh, uh, remember when we talked about on the show or, or on on one of our other podcasts, uh, our our, our uh, Mind Robbers versus show? We talked about the Superman episode where I was like, "This is basically like if or, or on on Batman." Sorry, it was on Batman. Whereas basically like. This is as if Batman and Mr. Freeze like just showed up in Bioshock. And then I and I mentioned the fact that like Bioshock could totally work like if the doctor just showed up. This episode is proof that you can just have the doctor show up in some other show. Yeah. And it could totally work. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is and, basically the doctor showing up in in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant because it is it is one of those things where it's like the, every story is a Doctor Who story, like that's the old maxim. Every story is a Doctor Who story, like that's mm-hmm. just proof that you can do Doctor Who in Game of Thrones. Like it's just love. Yeah. another notch of the belt, and the best part is doing it twenty years before Game of Thrones is created. Like, yeah, twenty years before Game of Thrones is a thing. The doctor. I almost jumps want. In. I, I like almost to the point where like I would wonder if I ever mentioned this story. Like if I ever met uh, uh, Martin and and because I mean it's not difficult. He does a lot of convention appearances. Sure. Um, but if you ever met the guy and was just like Rebo's operation, if he was wouldn't just be like shut up, shut. Shut up. Go away. <laughs> Shut up. Like, you know, like it wasn't like it's just a thing where it's like he saw this and was like, that's a great idea. I just want to live in on Rebus forever. <laughs> and then he did. And he did and turned it into a cash cow. Um, yeah. 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 Because uh, seriously, this is so close to Game of Thrones. It's ridiculous. It's really it's it's really, really, really close. Like I <laughs> I mean, I tweeted it. But like if you like. Game of Thrones and you don't watch Classic Who, watch this. Like, mm-hmm. watch it. I mean, it is it is a learning curve because, again, it's Doctor, it's Classic Who. And the more I watch Classic Who, the more I realize that this is just a very good-looking story. But, like, when you watch it, you're just like, this looks cheap. But watching it now, it's like, no, this was actually one of the more expensive Williams stories. Um, it, it would take a while to get through this. And this is, I think, one of those stories that is, as pretentious as it sounds, advanced Doctor Who um, this is something that I feel like you appreciate the more you understand about the show and about Robert Holmes. Um, but that doesn't mean that, like, I remember watching this the first time and just enjoying it so much. And mm-hmm. that love has 
only intensified. This is it's just so brilliant. It's so mm-hmm. so brilliant. And I just I I don't I don't give this story enough credit. Um mm-hmm. I really don't. I I honestly like after watching this, I think this might be in my top 10 favorite. It's got to be, right? It's just it's yeah. got to be. Because it's so, I mean, it's just so well put together. Like, I could go and watch it right now. Like, I know that I just watched it today, but I could watch it again The right only now. thing that sullies it, honestly, is that it's it's part of a larger thing. It's a lot like um, it's a lot like what happens with Trial of a Time Lord in that yeah. extent. Because that, mm-hmm. that opening arc in Trial of a Time Lord is fantastic, but you forget about it because the rest of it is so bad. <laughs> Exactly. You know? Yes. Yeah. And you have to get and you have to wade through that to get to you have to wade through the fact that you're watching a larger story to get through the the fact that this is like, you know, what it is. Um Yeah. B- but watching it like on its own, like I uh, yeah, you, I mean you're you're right. You're right. It's it is hard to look at from that perspective. I think that's why you forget about it because because sure. because because when we talk time. about when we talk about key to time, we that's how we refer to it. The yeah. key to time. Yeah. But just like Trial of a Time Lord is Trial of a Time Lord. Like, we don't talk about the separate stories within it. I mean, you, you bring up Armageddon Factor a lot. Well, um, that's because, that's because, and I'll just say this right now, <laughs> screw the Armageddon Factor. Like, I, <laughs> well, I'm not even, yeah. I'm not even using my best language here. Like, screw the Armageddon Factor. Like, that is such <laughs> yeah, a yeah, bad yeah. story. But, but what I'm, what I'm saying is like, uh, we we always refer to those, these two arcs as their overarching title rather than the stories within them, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that that's unfortunately like that that just that hurts the stories within the within the within the season. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, without yeah. a doubt. I mean, it definitely like it definitely ups. It hurts other. our memory, I it, guess. Yes, it it definitely it definitely does, and but and it helps other stories as I think we're going to see. Like there's other stories coming up where I feel like I remember them more fondly because they're part of this season. Um, I'm thinking specifically of Androids of Terror, which I love. Like I'll just freely say that I also love Androids of Terror. I've loved that story ever since. Then again, because it's also. Uh, not, not. It's very much like a courtly, like adventure. Um, but you're right. I mean, it is one of those things where it is hurt by the fact that it is in this. Like it does, it does hurt it because it is the kickoff to something larger, and it isn't sold separately. If you want to buy the key to time, you gotta buy. If you want to buy the rebus operation, you gotta buy the other five. That's just how mm-hmm. the DVD set works. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that Doctor Who, although at fifty two bucks, that's a that is a deal. It is a deal. Um, Six stories for fifty two bucks. That's that's incredible. Yeah. And that's <laughs> not even the cheapest that I've seen it. Like it. Yeah. I think it drops to like when they when Doctor Who does its does its biannual sale it drops to like 40 i think um i'll probably buy it next time it does that that sale because i i want rebos yeah oh and it's i mean like and i can i can only imagine the the docs on that set are great yeah and and i mean that's just telling you how good rebos is like it is a 50 dollars story like it is just that <laughs> good <laughs> okay maybe maybe not that good um but but <laughs> it is i mean it is uh, that's a stretch. It is a stretch. Um, but it is a great story, and it's got really great monsters too. I love the Shrivenzals. Um, they're just so silly. Um, uh-huh. And uh, and I love. Oh God! There's even that 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 monologue that Unstoff has about Scringe Stone that is just amazing. Oh, you yeah. don't get no scringes. Like it's just. <laughs> 
It's so brilliant. It's so so brilliant. Um, I I love this. I and I love it more every time. And mm-hmm. I, oh my god, it's so good. I already can't wait to watch it again. Which yeah. how often do I say that on this show? Never. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's not true. <laughs> maybe that's not true. But very rarely. Um, yeah. And this is. I mean, this is just. It's. It's. It's brilliant. It's just super duper duper brilliant. Um. God, hell yeah, Robert Holmes. Like, just hell yeah, Robert Holmes. Oh, my God. So So true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. All right. Well, before we wrap it up uh, on this this edition, uh, we're we're, we're sponsored by not only InStockTrades.com, but also DCBService.com, their their father site. Um, DCBS, if if InStockTrades is where you go to buy things that are out, DCBS is where you go to pre-order things before they come out. And as a result of pre-ordering it and and guaranteeing DCB service that you're going to pay for this thing, uh, they give you a bigger discount. Uh, you know, 40% off is a regular discount, but sometimes specials up to 75% off. And all you have to do is pre-order the stuff and, and they don't charge you until it ships. Um, but, but when it ships, you can ship as in orders as large or small as you like in weekly, bi-weekly or monthly shipments. And you only pay six ninety five in flat rate shipping. So, uh, go to DCBService.com, uh, check out what, what, what sales and promotions they're running every month. And uh, order stuff. DCBService.com. Thanks for sponsoring the show. Um, okay, well, next next week's The Pirate Planet, uh, which am I, am I, am I mistaken in, in saying that that's the first appearance of Douglas Adams on the show? It is the first appearance of Douglas Adams on Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> no, that, no. That'll be an, that's, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation uh, Absolutely. tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm very interested in it. Oh, yeah. So, uh, the pirate planet tomorrow, uh, key to time pirate, pirate planet. Uh, it's that, that one is on, uh, Amazon prime as well as, uh, as well as Netflix. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. was the rebus operation in case you're right. interested. Um, yes. the other thing that I just realized is, uh, we just spent however long talking about it and we did not mention the key to time. <laughs> Matt. There's a reason for that. <laughs> I I think it's interesting, like from from a key to time perspective, like it's it's just silly, like because I I know the structure of this season, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember one of the most memorable things I I I pull from from this season, um, other than the appearance of Romana too. Uh, I, I, for some reason I remember her, that appearance because I just was like, doesn't she become a companion? It was, I was very confused. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, but, uh, one of the things that I remember the most about watching this the first time was the idea that like, not only were they on the search for the key to time, but like the keys themselves were, uh, hidden. Mm-hmm. But not just hidden in a place, but also like disguised. I was like, "That's a weird choice." Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what, and and like they all have like their own powers. It's sort of like it reminded me of Smallville, and like like how like how like Kryptonite just like has powers, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and like gives people superpowers. Like that's how I felt about um, 
about like the keys and key to time. It's like each one like has its own power. Oh, and that's another thing I wanted to bring up is like not only did this episode uh uh <laughs> Not only did this episode to Game of Thrones, but the whole key to time when the White Guardian is is describing the keys and how like each one has like a has control over a different thing and together you can control all of time and blah blah blah. And I was like, oh okay, so so it's 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 like the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> They're the Infinity Gems. So the Black Guardian is Thanos. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I, I guess I guess he is Thanos. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so uh, lots of lots of Doctor Who fans. I'm fine. Secret Doctor Who fans. I'm finding in uh, in in entertainment right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Also funny because this also totally predates the Infinity Gauntlet. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, Doctor Who, like, really just setting up your childhood before your childhood even existed. Like, just. Amazing, just so so brilliant. Um, yeah. Well, my thing about my key thing about the key to time is like it's really, I mean, it's an interesting brief because it's basically just a story engine. Like it's just a way of just saying, and then your 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 MacGuffin kind of has to be the key to time. In this case, it's a piece of stone that is the crux of the entire narrative because right. it's the thing that uh, some sort of fuel thing. Yeah, that is yeah. like gold, only apparently just way better than gold because screw gold <laughs> um like yeah. it, is, it is just all encompassing it is it is unobtainium everyone um it's <laughs> it's just it's just it's just that and so uh, i like i like that it's just kind of the vehicle there's something that's really nice about that it's an it's a weirdly elegant thing i find um mm-hmm. as we'll see because we got to mention every week or every episode Oh uh, God! I can't believe we're doing these daily. Um, why? Like, what the piece is, and why? How they find it, and at the end, it is basically mm-hmm. the thing that they've been looking for the entire time. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do. I like the fact that the key to time is the MacGuffin, and therefore isn't a MacGuffin mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. definition. You yes. know, yeah. Like, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, it, as a, as a as a concept, and it's a smart move. I mean, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's really smart. Like the, and I love when they subvert that. Like when they subvert that idea, because the writers going in know that they have to do the key to time, so they're going to be like, okay, well, what's the key going to be? Um, what's the what's the segment this week? And mm-hmm. they kind of have to write around that in a way that is believable and 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 true and holds to you know what they what they what they want to do with their story. Um, and we'll see how that works as we go on and see how this week. <sighs> this week ends. Um, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really just not, just not looking forward to Armageddon Factor. Like I'll do, anything. and it, it's it's really uh, unfortunate. It's a six part story. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I can't. I can't wait for it to be done. Um, All right. Well, next week's the Pirate Planet. Next, so tomorrow's be... the Pirate Planet, dude. Oh yeah. Tomorrow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, I'm oh. looking. I'm reading the show notes, and it still says next week. Tomorrow, the Pirate Planet, and the. Uh. The uh, the the first appearance of Douglas Adams on the show. Yeah, uh, yeah. Douglas Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Adams. Yeah, the, the uh, one and the same. Which yep, still yep. impresses me that he wrote for this show. Just still an impressive thing. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, all right, we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye. Bye, guys.